Whoa, 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 whoa. This is Eyeball. Hi, I'm your host, John Loomis. Today we're talking to my very good friend of uh, at least 20 years, Eric Larson, a wonderful photographer based out of Orlando, Florida. Eric and I talk a lot about taking stock of a 20-year career in photography. We talk about where we've been and, and how honored we are to have made it this far and then what the next 20 years are going to look like, fingers crossed. And we kind of frame it around this conversation we started having at the beginning of this year, which concerned Andre Agassi's autobiography called Open. It's a kind of a random thing to spur this very creative conversation, but it's actually a really wonderful book. A lot of the reasons why it struck a chord was about Andre Agassi's will to be better and his accounting to himself to exceed not only other people's expectations of his talent, but his own. And I think that ownership, especially, you know, from at least Eric and I's perspective, this far into our career is incredibly important because over the course of time, things change for everybody, you know, and things change in your personal lives, things change in the industry. And we're seeing a lot of that now. And so the ownership is crucial. Um, so it's a great conversation. I'm, I'm excited to have Eric in the first podcast and this being the first podcast. I'll say a little bit about myself just to give you the frame of reference from how we'll be talking and what I'm talking about and what I'm interested in. Um, um, I'm a veteran photographer of almost 20 years. Uh, I've been working in magazines and advertising for uh, most of that time. Um, based in Washington, D.C., you're coming to me not live from my basement. This podcast is obviously going to be a lot about photography, but hopefully a lot more about the creative arts and the creative life and, and trying to inspire yourselves to be better, trying to figure out ways to make any creative pursuit a little bit more full and joyful and enriched. My goal for this podcast, Eyeball, is to have these long form conversations with people I admire and to talk about the things that fill our lives with both excitement and fear. The anxiety and the depression of being a full-time freelancer, the excitement about finding something new and, and the long process of, of sculpting and crafting a new kind of idea or a new vision or a new project. So that's what Eyeball will be about. I'm excited for you to join the journey. First up is the official Eyeball theme song. Amazingly enough, I've had this song for the entire time I've been trying to start this. Scott Pryor, my very good friend, wrote it. I hope you enjoy. It's weird and wonderful, and it'll be with you the whole time here. Eric Larson, welcome to Eyeball. Um, I wanted to basically continue our conversation. We started to begin this year um, as, you know, photographers do, especially photographers who've been close for as long as we have going on. I, I don't know. I mean, 20 years. Um, yeah. You know, we begin the year, you know, really before the year, year is even over, starting to try to figure out as the you know, as, as 2018 winds down, what, what the next year is going to look like. And you and I had a lot of conversations that connected through a autobiography you had been reading from sort of a, um, unusual source that you were drawing some inspiration from which inspired me to pick it up. Um, but so, sort of, you know, explain to me 
how uh, Andre Agassi's autobiography sort of framed the way you were thinking about your career and photography going into the end of the year and starting 2019. Yeah, it was a, it was a really uh, interesting book to pick up um, in my, you know, now early forties as I've been in this industry for quite a while. And, and, you know, Agassi kind of talks about, I mean, the whole book's about how he, he was, he was done, you know, um, he thought he was done and, um, and he, and it turned out he wasn't, you know, he still had a lot in the tank and, um, you know, totally different being a top level professional athlete in a, in a global sport like tennis, um, where, you know, everybody that's really good is like, 20. Right. Know? Right. Um, it just kind of, you know, in a lot of other ways feel similar and, you know, yeah, especially exactly. as, like, as, you know, we're, I'm, I'm just behind you and getting into my forties and, uh, you know, it feels like, Oh, we're not 25. I don't know what's, what's left for us. You know, the, at some point your experience feels more like a liability than a, you know, than a yeah. boost of confidence. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just can't stop hearing the, you know, the, the LCD sounds so, that, you know, I'm losing my edge, like that whole right, right. kids are coming up from behind. Um, you know, like, you know, we both started back, back in the film days and, um, you know, it was totally, it was a different world. Um, and this constant march of technology is just so I'm just, I'm a Luddite to be honest. Like I, I have had a real hard time well, to be fair, you are the most technically well-informed and well-researched Luddite in history. Then. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, to be whenever there's something I need to know the definitive answer on, I call you and you hey. tell me, after three months of research, I f- figured out that this is the answer. I say, great. Yeah, maybe m- the way to reframe that is I, I, I yearn to be a Luddite. <laughs> no, no, you, um, yeah, you definitely uh, but, yearn to be in a cabin in the middle of nowhere, but... Yeah, Absolutely. But that's not how this industry works. Uh, so, you know, there you have it. Um, or at least that's not how we've chosen to work within this industry. Right. Like I, we've chosen very specifically to not have staff, to not have interns, to not have a lot of overhead, to not have all these things that would maybe make that easier to rely on somebody a generation younger than me or two generations younger than me now to to kind of help guide us through these things. But um, we just kind of stubborn about it. So, um, so, you know, to kind of read one of my young, you know, Augusty was a hero of mine growing up. I played a lot of tennis as a teenager and, you know, I'd never read his autobiography and I finally did. And, um, plus, you know, you're living as a teenager, you know, in the Orlando area, a lot of this book takes place outside of Tampa. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I saw him play when I was a teenager, I went and saw him play and it was like the greatest day of my life. You know, like I saw my hero and like, I wanted to go to Bulletaria. I wanted to be, I wanted to be Andre Eggs. I had his shoes which my mom didn't want to buy me because they were crazy expensive. And I wore them out in like two months on the tennis court. But like, sure. And this was like, I mean, I, this I is, this is a remarkable time in tennis because this is a yeah. tennis player who has popular shoes from a major t- uh, yeah. shoe manufacturer, which is not what tennis had been doing before. You had this bad boy image. Yeah. He made tennis really cool. He made, he made, you know, uh, like a kid who was into playing hockey, from Minnesota want to play tennis. Like that was remarkable. Um, so to kind of read how he got through his struggles and challenges and, you know, the, the pitfalls in the middle of his career, he thought he was, everyone thought he was done. 
and nobody gave him a, a look really and, and turned out he wasn't done. And it was just kind of an inspirational read, you know, at a, at a kind of a pivotal time. Cause we weren't, you know, we, we kind of had a rough year last year. We didn't do that great. Um, and it was just kind of the perfect book at the perfect time. And, um, you know, it was just a really inspiring story. Um, as we kind of rounded out the year, which is, you know, when we started talking about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we were talking before about the incredible amount of will it takes for an already elite athlete, because, you know, you and I have spent a lot of time with athletes, uh, in various sports and there's a incredible athleticism and just physicality, which gets you to a certain level of elitism, but after that, it's the will to win. And, you know, we grew up in the era, you know, of guys like Agassi, but also guys like Jordan. Yeah. And there's nearly no difference between Jordan from purely physical standpoint, other than him being an incredible specimen, an incredible athlete, an incredible person. But his the real difference between Jordan and his peers were, was that Jordan would not allow himself to lose and therefore spent every second of his, you know, every ounce of his energy and every second of his off season refining his game in the same way that Agassi's self, his will and his sense of self, even though he struggled mightily with, you know, who he was and who, what he wanted for, you know, I mean, I, I probably his entire life. Um, he continued to create ways for him to compete at the most elite levels. And, I mean, just the comebacks he had at the end of his career beyond a time when he should have ever, ever been relevant before. Um, and it's a different, it's a different tennis than we're seeing now. I mean, now you, you have players who are lasting a much longer period of time, but there also are not the, you know, the, the same breadth of talent overall in tennis, I would say today that as there was in Agassi's time, it was kind of my take on it. Yeah. And then, you, you know, you start to think about, you know, I mean, I've spent a lot more time around professional golfers and then, you know, like in that realm, like all the, you know, on, on both the men's and ladies tours, like they're all so good. Right. The talent, they're all physically, they can hit any shot. They're so good. It's all just a head game at that top level right. like with golf and, and then trying to figure out like, okay, what, what, are, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? And what are we, what do we need to remove in our head to get out of the way of what we could be doing? <laughs> like, that's always a thing that I'm thinking about. Like, and then, you know, and then is it going to translate to the client side? Like, it doesn't even matter. Is anybody even going to see what you're doing is, you know, because it's like, well, how do you find, how do you find the, the market for what you're trying to do? How do you translate what you're trying to do into a, a, a job that pays your bills. It's always kind of, you know, you, I mean, you can be doing the greatest stuff in the world and nobody knows about it. So what? Right. And, and furthermore than that, I mean, you know, how do you create this sense of focus and then, and then, you know, make it last amongst the noise, you know, how, and, and is that what we, what we were trying to do, you know, to extend this analogy out f through golf, you know, is, you know, being a Brooks Kepka and being sort of an ice man and just like being laser focused on a certain goal. Is that the, you know, is that the path at this point? Um, I mean, certainly the will to believe in yourself and believe in the work and to continue to, to, refine and better yourself hoping that you know there are people out there who want to work with you um 
that seems to be a part of this whole thing. But, you know, I, I, um, I think that, you know, there's just a million parallels in this book. I mean, the self, the self doubt that photographers face on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, especially over the, you know, the course of our careers, looking back over 15 and 20 years, you know, we're very, you and I are very used to the roller coaster, very Mm -hmm. used to the up and down. We, We remember the years that, you know, the bottom fell out. We remember, um, how it felt, 2001, how 2008 was, you know, like all these different times that we can go back to like, Oh yeah. I remember the first six months of that year, I was crazy. It was super busy. Then it was done. Uh, or, you know, whatever it's going to be from that, from our past. And, you know, so we have in a certain way, we're armed with the right tools to move forward. I don't feel worse or better about how things are going to happen. I think there are more things against the overall publishing and photography business. I mean, you know, from a, an empirical standpoint, you could probably point that there are probably more photographers working. There are more real and fake photographers working. There's more pull at the strange edges of our business from, you know, influencers of various stripes. There's more, there's more silliness kind of, I mean, there's always some, you know, like, there's more stuff that I don't understand. Like, <laughs> right. what, what, what's going on here? I mean, like, you could also say, well, today's Instagram influencers are, you know, I don't know, at last decades, Flickr pro users or whatever those people right. might have been. You know, and there's always there's always going to be cross currents. This is how things go. Sure. Um, and, you know, there's also the sense that I mean, everyone's trying to figure out what's next, how to stay relevant, what their audiences need. Um, um, so nothing is new under the sun. However, you know, in that we've seen a lot more magazine closings. We're seeing a lot of restriction of print advertising budgets all over the world. We're seeing fears of global recession happening in the stock markets, you know, like it, I don't know if it's truly different, but somehow right now feels more arch or maybe we're just getting older. And so we're, yeah, we're I think that's a what it is more too. attention. Like I, maybe I keep thinking about that. Like I've, you know, we've got a, um, uh, a, a colleague in town that we were mentoring a little bit on the wedding side and, 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 uh, she, you know, we're watching her make decisions about her business now that she's kind of doing it. You know, she's doing it. She's like quit her normal job and she's a photographer now. And, you know, we're trying not to be too like, Oh, you should do this or you shouldn't do that. You know, we want her to make her, you know, cause we had to learn those lessons and, we had a lot of good help from some of our mentors, but you know, like the, the, what happened in 2008, 2009, 2010, like none of our mentors saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. Right. Um, so that, that hindsight is really tough to shake. Cause like now we're like, Oh gosh, this feels a lot like this feels a lot like, uh, you know, remember that, remember that call we got in 2007 and, and then like, we thought it was a done deal and like they were in finance and then the wheel, then they pulled the plug on the whole thing and like, we should have, like, we should have known something was coming right. <laughs> and like all those little things that we remember really clearly now, like at the time it didn't, it was just like, Oh, like, Oh, we just lost that gig. Like whatever. Like they decided to go a different direction. And then it, you know, and it turns out like, no, like the, shit was hitting the fan and like, we just didn't know about it yet. Right. Um, right. 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 Um, so we're, we're always kind of like, what's, what's coming. We don't know because that, that was such a transformative experience just to even get through that whole, um, couple years without 
without, you know, not doing it anymore. Like I'm, I'm just still amazed that we, we made it through. Like we always, Jenny, Jenny and I always tell each other, like we made it through that. Like we're, we should be able to do this for a while, but I, I never know, you know, I never know. Right. I mean, uh, Jennifer sends your partner, uh, yes. uh, of, Wow. I mean, it's easy for me to remember how long you've been married because it's always, you know, I think what one or two years longer yeah. than me. But, you know, you guys have been together professionally for a long yeah. time. Yeah. We've been shooting together since 2003. And that's what we were uh, talking everything. about last night. Yeah. That, I mean, the, the very idea, and, you know, certainly Jenny shares this, and anyone who's being honest with themselves shares this, like, the very idea we've run our own companies and been professional photographers for, you know, two decades is crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, an amazing accomplishment um and if we could go back to our you know 18 19 21 year old selves and say hey you're gonna have a 20 year run here but then maybe it's gonna get hard you'd say that's awesome sign me up for that that's amazing (laughs) are you kidding me i mean it's just like i don't know a lot of people that do this like you know like our our parents generation like oh you got a job and you you did that job (laughs) my dad was the union carpenter like his whole life my mom was a nurse she still works at the hospital she works in like on the you know informatics like it kind of side of it now she's not a nurse anymore but she still works at the same hospital she's worked at since the 80s like i i don't know a lot of people our age that are going to have a job at the same place for 30 years it's like unheard of so right in um, in a sense you you know we've We've maybe we're the last ones because we we're informed by our parents who built something yeah. and, they, and they wanted to do that thing for 20 or 30 years. And then the people coming behind us are doing this thing for five years and they're thinking, that's great. I'm going to switch to this thing. Or they're doing five things at the same time. Right. They have like, right. Like they've got a bunch of different, they do anything. They'll do anything. Like, you know, there's a couple of people in town that are, you know, you look at their Instagram, you're like, wow, this person's really crushing it. And then you learn like, oh, they got like, two other jobs and they do this and they do that. And like they, but when you go to their page, they're, a, they, they're claimed I'm a photographer. It's like, well, right. You're, you're really good at taking pictures, but you know, until you're making hundred percent of your income doing that, I'm going to, I'm going to roll my eyes a little bit. Sure. I mean, you know, we're the, we're the old guys on the lawn yeah, for sure yeah. because you know, we're also like, okay, great. So you have liability insurance, right? And they're like, well, yeah. I, I've been meaning to You're like, okay. He uh, said, yeah. well, you also, your, uh, right. <laughs> um, not because we want, you know, a red bow for what we've done, but that there's, you know, there's a level of professionalism that we expect from people who identify themselves in our industry because absolutely those are the people who are able to actually do the job and roll with the punches and, and service clients and like, you know, do this in a real way yeah, and not just do it when it's easy and fun and good. Yeah. And I, and I feel, you know, I even feel like a phony talking like this because I don't have children. Like that makes it way easier to do what Jenny and I are doing. Like way, way easier. Like, you know, we can go out of town for two weeks, you know, starting tomorrow on assignments and I don't have to worry about my kids. Like that's a huge, that's like, I don't know how else I, you know, we would have to really be crushing it for both of us to, to do what we do on the road for the next two weeks. Like we're doing, like you would, it's, you it's would a totally do, different I mean, you know, if, if your kids were the age of my kids, you, you know, you would take them with you and you'd make it work. And you're, you know, you're, you'd the first assistant would be the nanny and you know, you, it would, it would, it would work out cause it had to work out. And that's, that's, yeah. just, you know, that's, there's no magic bullet about any of this stuff. It's just, it, it works because it, there's no other alternative than for yeah. it to work. Um, um, you know, in terms of 
looking forward, which is a lot of the ways in which we were using this book to, you know, right. Um, I want to, two things I want to get into, um, specifically, uh, one is you have to not necessarily pat yourself on the back for the accomplishments you've done, but you have to acknowledge not only the, you know, the blessings of our careers and the opportunities we've been given and opportunities we've earned and, and worked very hard for, but you guys have also, um, Jensen Larson, you and, uh, Jenny have transitioned, um, over the course of the last decade, even a little more from being primarily working in one segment of our market. And then now really flipped it to be working primarily in this more of a commercial space. And, you know, every photographer who's working mostly in magazines or newspapers always talks about wanting to be shooting more advertising or commercial work, but that's not the same thing as changing the, the perception of what you do, who your clients are and how you act towards your clients and how you're going to find new clients. I think you guys have done a really uh, admirable and graceful job at making this transition. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I imagine it wasn't easy to change the way you perceive of things because that's always the slowest part of the whole thing. But you guys have really, um, I've always been impressed by the way in which you have, allowed things to change and to respond to change in a way that is not, you know, like me and the stock market buying gold. Um, not that that's a necessarily a bad idea, but it's like <laughs> trying to be <laughs> not that's well, not today, but, um, um, it's, it's not, uh, you, you guys try, you really take a proactive approach after you start processing this stuff and try to figure out, okay, what opportunities are here? What's next? What does it seem to look like? And it, you know, uh, that's, it's something which I myself struggle with thinking like, you know, you know, what's the next version of this job for me that's going to not only create wealth and make me afford to be able to live the life I live, but also find some peace and happiness and keep, continue to enjoy this life, uh, being a professional photographer. Yeah. I mean, they kind of happen simultaneously and um i kind of feel like it happened without us really even being a you know like conscious of it so i appreciate the compliment but i i really feel like it was a happy accident a lot of it because you know like in the in the mid aughts you know pub you know magazine publishing was 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 doing great like we were working a ton um for for magazines they were just sending us all over the place it was awesome and then um the the that's kind of, you know, that's kind of when we started doing, um, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it. It's not really a advertising job. Um, it was, it was essentially like editorial event type coverage for Mercedes Benz. And that, that came out of a, a referral from an assisting gig that we did back in like 2002, 2003. And, you know, did I have to take that assisting job for the photographer from New York? No, but did, you know, but I was like, it was still pretty early in my freelance career. I think I'd been freelancing for two years at that point. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was, I was happy to do the work. And then the next year, our buddy Cy Sear did the, did the assist job. And then the next year, Jenny did the assist job. So Jenny and I kind of forged a relationship with this woman and, and, um, I mean, I always go back to the Joan Rivers quote, like, you know, how she got, you know, somebody was talking to her about how she 
built her career. And she said she walked through the doors that opened. And that really struck me like successful photographers wanted to be known for being difficult. It's my way of the highway. You got to talk to my rep. I need this much money. This is how it's going to work. And then you see the market start to change. And it's like, yeah, you're not that important anymore. Like the, the, the decision makers are going to do what they need to do to meet their budgets, et cetera. So what are, what doors are opening? Um, and there's probably, there's probably a middle me. ground. I mean, you, you know, you can yeah. be open to opportunity, but also still have a mind of business, you know, like. You Absolutely. Know. Absolutely. But you know, I, I felt like I was doing pretty well early on, but could, you know, maybe I should go take this assist job and maybe I'll meet somebody. Maybe I'll learn something. And it, and it turned out to be one of the best decisions we ever made because we ended up getting this, this internal marketing client and just kind of kept that, kept that client going. And it's, we've kind of figured out how to, you know, snowball it into more and more things. And I'm excited you know, learning early on Mango that it's is about finally making an appearance on the oh, yeah. podcast. I think, sorry, Jenny, I think Jenny just got home. So <laughs> Mango's making some, making Fantastic. Some noise. This is actually the first, the, uh, remote, uh, podcast we've ever done. I've ever done. So, at least I'm learning one new thing today. That's exciting. Yes. Um, our, our cat Cleo is uh, sleeping on my couch though, so she's she shouldn't be making it. I think cats are more podcast friendly than uh, than cock- yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, you. I think you and I are of the same mind in terms of that Joan Rivers quote about there are people who need to forge their own path, and that's the only way they're going to find what they're looking for. The other thing that I think you and I have both done that there are opportunities and there's no reason that a small opportunity can't become a big opportunity if you tackle it with as much enthusiasm and passion as you possibly can, whether or not it started an assisting job or started in some other way. And, you yeah. know, and, and I think that your uh, your career and your business um, has really um, benefited from relationships in a really special way that is something I always try to talk to young photographers about because when you're in a classroom, you're trying to conceive of like, how does it work? You think, Oh, well the best photographers, the best photography ultimately gets sorted out to the top. And that's the people who have successful careers. And there are very good photographers who have successful careers because they're very good photographers, but a lot of it has to do with the relationships and the opportunities that people get. And you guys are really I mean, I mean, we've been friends for a long time. I'm obviously a big fan, but you guys are incredibly good at nurturing relationships and making people people feel comfortable and heard. Um, I think you're really good at listening to the dynamics of what people actually need and then crushing, like going way beyond the call of duty to really get them what they need and make their jobs easier and allow them to move to the next project or go home and play call of duty itself or like do like, you know, we never quite understand when we get just getting started the way in which people want to finish this job. Maybe they don't even like the project that you're being assigned to do. So they want to get it done and they want to move on. And so the better mm-hmm. we can facilitate everyone being happy and, and finished with the thing we're doing, the better we can create a situation where people are like, you know what? That was easy. In, in fact, that was fun. I can't yeah. wait to have a more pain-free experience on this next one of these shoots that it, you know, starts from a compromised place, which so many shoots do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we look at it like we're, we're a service and we want to be the easy button, um, you know, for, for the right price, obviously, but that really but that, expensive that, gold rimmed easy button. <laughs> 
that focus on on serving our clients being you know easy to easy to get on the phone or text or Facebook message or Instagram DM or however they want to communicate, which we had to kind of evolve and be more open to. Um, but you know, we've always placed a, a high priority on that. And that kind of comes from us shooting weddings. That's kind of how you have to be if you're in the wedding space at all. And we still, you know, we've always just kind of done between four and, and 10 weddings a year. And that, I think that's been really really important to our, our broader success in other markets. Because, um, I mean, if you're not laser focused on serving a bride and mother bride and those types of clients, um, which can be quite challenging, um, forget it. You're not going to, you're not going to last two, two years in that industry. So you guys have, you guys have worked hard and done really good work. And so you, you, by and large have really great clients who respect you and I'm super excited to have you there and you go, you know, make sure you guys feel like you're um, value, you know, that they, they believe in value in your services. And so it's, you know, from this perspective, you know, you guys are privileged to have got to this certain place with it, but right. You know, private clients, personally speaking, I, I, I don't even want anything to do with them. At least I haven't in my career. There was a right. time, you know, 20 years ago when I was shooting weddings that I just, it drove me to drink lots of alcohol. I just could <laughs> not the emotions of working with a private client and being there for that day as you know, I, I was, I was never mistreated in any way. People were always extremely kind to me. We we're making sure, you know, doing all the little things that recognize, you know, you as a vendor, but also as a human who's, you know, been on right. their feet for 12 hours or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> However, even with it being going as well as possible and me getting paid in cash and like, you know, being in my early twenties, I, I hated it. I, I, I could, I did not want to, especially after the fact, deal with a, a humans and their emotions, you know, even if they're positive, I'm just like, I ultimately, at least so far in my career, much happier to, for people to be spending someone else's money on me. Yeah. And, and I guess I should kind of back up and say that's all because, uh, Jen kind of handles that whole side of the business. So she's the one that takes the, the, the brunt of most of that. Right. Jen and, but, and her many superpowers she possesses. Yeah. But, it, but by and large, like we've also figured out, like, you know, there was a time when we were doing some online, you know, listings for our weddings and it was just too much. Like it was a lot of inquiries. It was a lot of like price shoppers. And we were like, scrap all that. We don't advertise. We don't do any of that on the wedding side. So the ones that do come our way, like the last one we booked, we didn't even speak to the bride and groom. It's like a, you know, we have these great relationships with a couple key planners and we're on some key vendor lists. And it's like the ones that kind of find us through, through those channels and those, those clients that are like, Oh, you know, so-and-so said, you guys are great. Um, let's do it. You know, there's not a lot of uh, hurdles there. Th- those, that makes it a lot easier. Totally. Getting back to the other point I wanted to make about the yeah. Agassiz book, you know, it's something that you and I really both identified with is that getting to the top and then returning to the top for Andre Agassi was really hard. Um, and it took a lot of, um, self-sacrifice. It took a lot of self-determination. It took a lot of battling through just feeling less than, you know, because of his childhood and everything else. And it took a lot of being very honest with himself and 
deciding that he needed to be working a hell of a lot harder. And it's something that I, I, I really connected with in the, in the book, you know, and just speaking from my own personal perspective, you know, I have, I can see very clearly in my career times in which I looked at the mirror and decided that I wasn't working hard enough for myself for, and for my clients by an extension, though they seem to be perfectly happy. I just wasn't getting enough out of each opportunity and I wasn't working hard enough to find that next open door. And, you know, it, it, when I got your suggestion to read that book, I mean, that's what really struck me was like just being, being the person. I mean, I think you and I are our own worst critics already. That's not, that's, we already have that built into the way we think about ourselves and our, the world. And that's one thing. And that's not, not important. It is, but then believing yourself enough to, buckle down and say, you know what? I know there's more here and I'm going to work harder to get to it. Even when the market, at least initially is 100% not interested in that because it doesn't matter, you know, because you and I both come with this background in newspapers where it doesn't matter how crisply you define the lighting on this picture. It's going to be printed on toilet paper. It's yeah. going to be lo- I mean, like, you know, like we, even now we're, we're using cameras, which have this incredible resolution and yet it gets printed in a way that it, you basically are losing it. Um, like, so there's always been, this translation effect happening, but I don't know how did that part of uh, Agassiz's life and message kind of impact you? And like, how, how did you take that to me and moving forward? Or, or were there any goals associated with that with you? I think it, it reinforced things that I kind of already suspected about myself. And I'm not, I'm not speaking for Jen. I'm speaking from, for me. Um, That's very smart. I mean, I've, I've always felt like I'm, you know, I could be doing more. I kind of, I, to, to go back to what you were saying about putting it all out there, I feel like I put it all out there for our clients. And then I get back from a job and I'm like, I don't have any desire to shoot anything for myself anymore, which has been the hardest thing for me to, you know, to kind of fall back in love with photography for photography's sake. It's a job now. And that's the hardest thing. You know, I kind of maybe maybe I'm putting words in Agassiz's mouth, but I feel like after he's been through what he'd been through for so long, like it wasn't it wasn't, you know, I don't know that he, he never really wanted to play tennis. You know, it was just something that he was forced to do. Well, yeah, I mean, 100% he was really good at it from the very beginning. He, um, he did not want to be a tennis player, but his father. So it's, yeah, yeah. So it's a little different with me because like I, the only thing I've ever wanted to do is be a, a, well, first an astronaut, but that that didn't go very far. <laughs> well, uh, not yet, buddy. No, well, I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't know that's going to happen, but. Well, I mean, um, to, to be fair, and I apologize for interrupting you, you did just make <laughs> the most beautiful fucking photograph of a launch I've seen in a long time. Well, uh, thank you. That, that was the, that was the, uh, the launch though. I would just push the button. I, I really nothing to do with that. Sure. I, all I had to do was get up early. <laughs> you did, but I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure if we scan the, um, the universe for pictures of that launch, we're not going to see something very similar. Uh, I've, you know, you and I both love space. You and I both love launches that you found, you know, you look at anything long enough and you you might see something incredibly remarkable, but that was a very cool, I mean, mean, it must've been a cool experience to check it out. Um, You You know, I I appreciate that. And and I'm really glad that I, it was an important lesson too, um, because I shot it from, from home, from right down the street from my house. I didn't go out to the Cape. And I, I woke up real early in the morning and I was like, should I, okay, I'm up. Should I just get in the car and drive out there? Cause I always want to be closer. 
And I was like, nah, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go, I'm going to go back to sleep and go down the street and, and do what I had originally planned to do. And, you know, so, and you have those pictures, uh, you have been closer, you've been out, you've been in the kayak and mosquito lagoon you've, you know, you've, yeah. you've shot nearly every angle that is public accessible of these launches. Absolutely. And it just turned out that from, from winter park, Florida, you know, 50 miles away, it, it is, it was, I think it was maybe a better, a better view of that phenomena like whatever you want to call it, what happened that morning you know the, the launch happened before the sun went up so um you get the the sun hitting the upper parts of the atmosphere um before you even really see much daylight in the sky so once the rocket was high enough you know the sun lit up lit it up and it was spectacular but also like the trajectory the downrange trajectory of that particular launch like um, all of the other angles from the space coast, um, just, it was a different perspective. So right. I, I, don't, I didn't see any other photos on social from the central Florida area, but I think we had the better view that morning, which is not normally the case. Sure. Unlike Agassiz, the photography is the only thing I've ever wanted to do, you know, from when I was 14, 15 years old. So, um, it, it was like, how do I make this thing that I really love a career? Whereas for him, it was like, Oh, I'm being forced to do this. I'm really good at it. <laughs> I guess I'll keep, I guess I'll keep doing it for a while. And then, you know, getting to the absolute bottom and then climbing out of that and like getting back to the top again. Um, I mean, just a remarkable, so, you know, it's a little different cause we're trying to figure out like how to, you know, we've never really been at the top, you know, like we're, we're, we've been successful, um, as far as having a career in photography, but we're not like, you know, we're not in the top tier of commercial and advertising photographers by, by a long stretch. So, and I don't know that that's ever been my goal. It's always been like, how can I, how can I just do this and make a living out of it? You know? Right. Um, and I think I had to shake that a little bit, you know, it was always like, oh, what do I, you know, I was written up in PDN at a young age. I was, you know, given some big awards. It was like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be one of these like top tier guys someday, like my mentors, you know, like Walter or somebody. And then, you know, then you kind of quickly run into like, okay, well maybe it's not like it was, maybe I'm not cut out for that. Maybe that's not what I want. Maybe that doesn't have to be what you want. If you want to have a career in photography, you don't have to be the best. Maybe you can just be pretty good and still keep doing it. And that, I'm fine with that. Um, I, I agree hundred percent. I mean, this is, you know, we all have to battle through the things that we think we're owed or we have due. I think, and especially it's dangerous. It's dangerous in any way that you, you've been in this field or any field for a long enough period of time. There's something, there's some slight you have perceived or otherwise um, perceived or real and you have to battle through, you know, like, oh, I didn't get this recognition or I didn't get this opportunity. And you have to want these opportunities and feel like you would capitalize on them enough to even be in the ballpark for getting them. Right. At the same time, you can't define externally what success means to yourself by other people's, at least your perception of other people's, you know, ideas of who you are and what you want and what in and what photography is. I mean, yeah, it took, it took us a while, both Jen and I, to kind of learn that we we just have to stop comparing ourselves. Like, you know, what, what's somebody else's ambitions are and what, you know, the opportunities that they've been given and capitalized on are, are never going to be those for us. So let's stop making this something that it shouldn't be, you know, let's just focus on us and do what we think is going to work 
And that kind of goes back to, you know, what you were talking about before with the finding, you know, it was always like, oh gosh, you got to like do the editorial work and then you got to get your stuff in front of the right ad agencies. And that whole right. model is just like this, this is from another time. And there's definitely still people doing that type of stuff. It's, um, but it's when so we, from another time, I think that yeah. it was from another time before we even started. We never right. really understood that it was compl- it was already over. It's already over. And that's yeah. you know I think uh, if you look back on a large enough time scale, we'll look back at uh, the beginnings of our careers, especially as we bridge this you know technolo- technological revolution. You know, you and I were both shooting two and a quarter well into the new century. Um, yeah, we both are. You know, I, I I could pick up my Mamiya and shoot jobs on the on the two and a quarter tomorrow. I mean, like that. I, I would prefer it. I mean, the the craft of this has always both really motivated us, you know, especially because we both had a lot of um, experience and passion for shooting in sports early in our careers. We were, we're trying to follow in the footsteps of guys like Walter Yost and, and do this work that might work for SI and other things like that. And we didn't already under, fundamentally understand that that was now gone. No, no one, yeah. you know, into the late eighties, no one was going to have Walter Yost's career ever again. Like, like it wasn't even, we weren't, we didn't miss it by five years. We missed it by 15. And so right. 20 years later, I mean, even, my, yeah, our, our mentor, you could argue that our, my, our other mentor, Ben Van Hook missed it. <laughs> like right, that's right. You know, like he's done incredibly well, but he's a, he's a, you know, He's directing. He's not a, you know, he's, he's still doing like high end stuff, but he's not doing, he wanted to be a high end sports photographer. He still does a lot of stuff for sports companies, but yeah, what, what Walter was able to do, like, um, unbelievable. So, you know, we, we had these conversations in December and January and then very quickly, um, and happily you guys had some opportunities, um, through the first, first and second quarter of this year that were, you know, big challenges and you guys um, totally unsurprisingly met them head on and did great work for, uh, you know, adjacent but new client. Um, And then based not also not surprisingly because of the times we're living through now, that client fizzled out because of various factors we don't need to go into. But, you know, you so we were had these conversations that were to really, you know, kind of like bedrock of how we perceive of what we're doing, what's coming next, what do we owe ourselves in terms of work, in terms of like passion, in terms of literally investing in terms of time back into our businesses and ourselves and our our craft. And then you kind of immediately ran into the wall of like some big opportunities and you guys sort of have had this very exciting but weird year. Um, How do you... You know, how is, has that changed the way you think of some of these things we've been talking about any, or, I mean, certainly you, you know, you have some funds in the bank account, um, that you not, you know, maybe weren't counting on in the beginning of the year, uh, not that you didn't have things already cooking, but you know, does that now give you better license to dig back in or is that sort of made you push pause because you guys have just been so busy or how, how do you, how do you kind of think about this, you know, where we are now sort of looking at the, again, sort of, you know, wrapping up, we're not a summer yet, but we're kind of now almost getting to that point. Where we're going to start wrapping up the year in a, in a few yeah. short months. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we we're, we're actually, Jenny and I were talking about it yesterday, like, you know, how we want to kind of close out the year, what we want to work on, you know, trying to figure out, marketing has always been such a struggle for us. Um, you know, who, who to market to, how to market, you know, what, what work to show. 
you know, now we have this new, new kind of body of work that we worked on this earlier this year, but it's like quite different than the rest of our stuff. So like, does it just confuse people? All these like questions and you're constantly doubting yourself and what you're doing. And, um, but it definitely, you know, the whole, the whole experience is, it just reinforced it. Like you never know where the next big opportunity is going to come from. Like I never imagined it would have come through the channels that it did. So, you know, it's like, and it's, and it's a channel that we would have never been able to really market to, you know, what we've learned over the years is a lot of these clients that are hiring us, um, at, at, and at agencies. And when I say agencies, I'm not talking about advertising agencies. There's so many different types of agencies that photographers, I just don't think are really aware of, um, that and, and, are responsible for hiring. And, um, you know, to some degree, these are agencies which are not easy to connect with unless you have no, this personal connection to them because of other work done. Are, yeah. None of them are in agency access. I hate to break it to everybody. Right. And none um, of them are looking necessarily until they're, no. they have a particular thing and they're, they're more interested in finding a direct connection as someone who's had, had a successful experience working with someone who helped solve problems. And, and that's where the referrals come from. It's like, Oh, so-and-so from this department said we should call you. Like, can you do this? And we're like, well, you know, I think so. Um, and then we, we, we figure it out, you know? Um, and, uh, that's, that's a tricky thing to, f to figure out. Cause it's like, you can't really go after those clients cause you don't even know where they are or how to find them. But it's, it goes back to the relationship thing. Like, because we have these relationships, the, you know, sometimes the, the door opens and, and it's up to you to walk through it or say like, Hey, this is way over my head. I can't figure this out, but you should call this person, you know, which we would have gladly done. But, um, it, it was a project that we thought we could handle and, and thankfully we, we took it on and we're, we're awarded it. So it's, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I mean, it, it's almost like we got to really focus more on the relationships. Like who can we contact that might know of somebody somewhere who isn't being inundated by other photographers constantly right. with marketing. Cause it's just, it's overwhelming. I mean, you talk to anybody at a, at a, a quote unquote normal ad agency or at, uh, you know, any photo editor and they'll tell you how much, I mean, they don't even look at their email. Like they don't, you know, most of the promos, right. It's like, good luck. I, I don't, you know, it's such a tough, it's such a tough thing, um, to figure out how to, how to get your work in front of the people that are making decisions. I mean, they, they, they spend all day looking at pictures so they're on it. They're all on Instagram constantly. They, they all know, you know, a hundred, they all follow a hundred photographers that could do what they need to get done. You and know? They, and so, they're probably another photographers who are really talented, who could probably yeah. maybe not solve their problems any, any better, but differently. And, and maybe even cheaper um, or in many, you know, whatever other adjectives you want to throw at it. But, sure. you know, we talked about it yesterday. Um, no one thinks that their Rolodex is too thin. Everyone right. thinks it's too, you know, it's too full. And so that's the real trick. And, and I think it's only through personal relationships that you're really going to find yeah. a home in someone's Rolodex in a way that's going to be important, you know, professionally speaking. Right. I mean, that's pretty much where we're at. It's like, how, how do we leverage our existing relationships and, and hopefully get introduced to the right people who don't have an existing relationship with somebody that does the type of work that we do for, you know, for, for the, for the agencies and for the, the end clients. 
that's the part of this that it's easy to ignore, especially when you're busy or, you know, quite frankly, depressed, you know, just like frustrated and feeling underappreciated, like digging in and doing the business of like following leads and touching base with people who you have good relationships with, who are, you know, working in new places or, you know, making sure that they know you're out there and that you, you know, you've been doing new stuff. And like, I, I've always had a hard time, you know, I I don't want to, I'm not gonna pick up the phone and call you if we don't have business together, you know, as a client, I, I just, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. They're busy and they're busier now than they ever were. I mean, 15 years ago, I, I, I didn't want to do it. And they, they could have actually talked to me for five minutes. Yeah. Now they, I mean, they can barely breathe, let alone take a bathroom break or a lunch break. We're, we're feel the same way. We feel like oh, that's probably going to hurt you more than it's going to help you. <laughs> right. And I just, it's just not, I want to be the person you turn to. And, and if, if a client wants to call me and have a social chat, that's great. You know, we, we've been working in this industry for long enough that we, you and I have friends who are also clients and that's great, but I'm not going to, I do not want to waste anyone's time or my yeah. own, which is basically what we're talking about. Therefore, getting in touch with people in a way that's not hindering their day-to-day operations is really difficult right now. It's so much so that I, I just, you kind of become just totally in stasis. And so, yeah, especially if you're not in one of the big cities where everyone is like none of our clients are in the Orlando area. None of them. Um, right. So it's, it's makes it really tricky to, you know, to a maintain any kind of a s- actual social friendship or relationship with any of these people. I mean, we only talk to them when there's a, there's a work thing and we get along great. And I, you know, I feel like if we were in like New York or Atlanta or some of these cities where a lot of our clients are, we would probably hang out with a lot of them and be friends right, with them. Right, but right. We're not, we're, we don't live there. So, um, it makes it rather difficult to kind of be on the, have your finger on the pulse and like, because that's, you know, a lot of times that stuff happens, you know, and, it happens for us while we're on other assignments, like work, work breeds work. Like we'll be somewhere for a few days working on something and then you'll meet somebody at that thing. They're like, Oh, just met these people who do this stuff for them. And, you know, just kind of a lot of those things happen because you're there and it's, you get some FaceTime and you get, you know, even if it's just two minutes with somebody like, Oh, I just met this photographer, you know, like, and then how to capitalize on that. I mean, I met a guy, uh, on the rental car bus last time I was out in <laughs> California, who's like the, you know, vice president of PR for Rolls Royce, you know, like, sure. I mean, um, you'd expect to I, beat the PR vice president of Rolls Royce no, on a rental car bus. Like, no. And like I was dropping a car off from our Mercedes gig and he was dropping a Rolls Royce off. So it was like, nice. Oh, this guy must've been here for the same thing I was here for. So I just said, hello, like how, how hope, hope the week was well for you guys. Like, uh, you know, I do stuff for Mercedes Benz and he was super cool. And then we ended up, I ended up seeing him at the gate. We were on the same flight and we started chatting again. And then he's like, Oh, where do you guys live? And I'm like winter park, Florida. And he's like, no shit. I went to high school in winter park, Florida. And like, turned out like he was from the same, you know, he's lives, he used to live here. Now he lives in New York. He's like big shot for Rolls Royce. So, you know, I, I got his info. I haven't, that hasn't gone anywhere, but like, I'm going to keep sending him stuff and hope he remembers and hope he has a need someday. Like you never know. Like, right. And I'm pretty shy. So it, it takes a lot for me to like go up to a stranger and just like, 
you know, it's like six in the morning, you know, like <laughs> guys trying to get home to his family. Like, um, yet again, it's, Jenny it's a, rolling in a, with her superpowers. It's a tightrope. <laughs> it's a tightrope. But, um, but you know, all those little things, it's like, could I market to this guy? Probably. But now that there's a, a connection, maybe he'll, rem- maybe someday he'll remember, maybe it'll turn into something. Who knows? It could be five years from now. Like, um, you just got to keep at it. You got to keep at it and you have to be ready to receive and walk through that open door. You know, yeah. like, you know, I think that part of the way of I've changed thinking about marketing and about what I'm doing is not so much like, okay, well, I need to update my, you know, my subscriber list. I need to send an email blast. I haven't, I was actually looking the end of last week. I haven't sent an email blast out in the last three years. And I was like, God, that's, that's amazing. And then I was like, well, I mean, I, I'm, I kind of, I'm okay with that. I mean, I, it, it I've also been busy being a father of two little kids. And so, you know, email blast just seems like a really bad use of my time. I don't need to be in that crush of like noise. If that is, I mean, if that channel is not even working anymore, like, you know, like just, I'm, I'm okay not being in there. However, I need to be able to pivot and respond and like be able to like, see an opportunity and have the materials or the work or the have the energy at least to respond in some way to good on some opportunity. So like, you know, I've been busy trying to like, just have like a, like a, you know, basically the, the photography equivalent of sort of a one sheet, uh, you know, like a little like booklet that kind of just like can be a, a good introduction to like what I can do for you. So if I, yeah. You know, meet this guy from Rolls Royce or meet some client, some, you know, randomly, whatever in the mail, he can just get like a thing that's, it, it's not a, it's not a really a promo. It's more of like a, you know, it's like what any business would have ready to send to a potential client. That's like, Hey, you know, cool. Cool to meet you. Here's a little note. Here's this thing, yeah. you know, I, I don't expect anything out of it, but you build these relationships and like, you know, kind of a little elevator pitch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's the website and everyone knows there's a website, the website's there. Sure. But in, in a way you sort of need to walk people through that website. You know, it's the difference between then person meeting versus the, you know, like, Oh, of course I have a Instagram account. These digital tools have become so watered down. Um, and so not about kind of the spirit they were once about that. We, we have to kind of show, new clients, uh, the best way to use us in a sense, because, yeah, you know, for guys who have been working for as long as we have, you know, you've done so many different kinds of things that sometimes the website is not necessarily confusing, but there's just, there's just a lot of different things on there. Yeah. And, and it's not a good showcase for intangible things that are hard to like, that's one thing we're struggling with. Like we, you know, when we're on site, we're, we're, for some of these assignments, we're really handling, I mean, we're kind of a, almost like a, doing the work of a small agency right. in a way. Right. And it's hard to, to communicate that to a potential client. Like, you know, we're, we're not necessarily just showing up and shooting some photos. We're, we're, in, we're on the conference calls. We're, we're involved on the front side of it just because there is a lot of preparation involved in some of these assignments that we're doing. They're complicated. There's a lot of moving parts. It has to work efficiently. Um, we're, we're a key part of the team and we want to be part of the team. And it's, um, which is also why like we get hired to do these jobs over and over and over again, because they don't have the bandwidth to bring in somebody new every time and teach them, you know, teach them the ropes. I mean, it's, 
they don't want to babysit. They don't want to handhold. They want us to be there and just like, okay, Jen and Eric know what to do. They've done this. Um, that's the, that's where we want to be. We want to be in that space where it's like, they don't even think about the, how much of a nightmare it's going to be to bring somebody new in. That is to me is the biggest compliment you can have, you know, professionally in that, you know, someone has their needs photographically speaking or, you know, you know, creatively speaking, they, they can cross out of the list. They know they that's covered. They got it. Cause and whatever, yeah. however it's going to work to have you there this year again, I, I, you know, it's something I really admire about your guys, uh, business and career that, you know, your clients don't hire you for a project. Your clients hire you for a period of years, even in, in, in every year they, you know, it might be a little different. Um, you know, and it, and it is a per project thing the way in terms of it's, it's booked out, but you have this repeat business, which is, I think really speaks to the level of service and, and sort of problem solving that you guys have been able to achieve in your career. I, I think, I think that's one of the biggest compliments you can possibly get from a, from a series of clients that, you know, and, and increasingly it's super rare. I mean, you know, um, we have a lot of these shared clients that are just, you know, they've either already said goodbye or they're saying goodbye or they've fundamentally changed so much that they'll never, unless they change again, there'll never really be a chance to work with them again. Cause it's just, it just doesn't make economic sense to, for it to happen anymore. And so to have, you know, decades of repeat business is, is amazing. Um, and it's certainly been something I've always really focused on. And I think it's, uh, I think it's important that young photographers see that like, you know, a new opportunity that you could never conceived of. That's great. That's, that's exciting. But a consistent client who you can continue to absolutely rock, you know, rock the house with every year is the way you build this, uh, into a, a meaningful business that has the flexibility to respond to the challenges that are going to happen. Yeah. And, and as the editorial clients we had, which were that kind of repeat bread and butter have dwindled and completely gone away. We've looked to corporate clients to fill that role of like, okay, can we count on something every year from this client? Um, if not the same as assignment, the same event the same thing that they need photograph, how can we at least ensure that there's stuff coming in every year? And that even expands out to like, we've been working with this guy who has a company does big, big corporate meetings, you know, the big annual sales meetings and stuff, right. usually in Vegas, et cetera. He's got a, his, he's got this crazy company where, you know, he shows up at these conventions and, you know, there's 2000 people at this convention for a company and they need, a bazillion things shot at the same time over like five days. He's got this great little business where he's, you know, he's the guy for all these different big companies that have these big meetings and he hires other photographers and flies them in and has people crush it with them. And like, that's fantastic as far as we're concerned. Like it's not our gig, but it's smart. You know, yeah. This guy can rely on us. Like he's already called me about something in September for like five days. Like, like that's what I, that's what I'm looking for. Like, even though it's not my gig, that's revenue coming in. And if I can get five days, that's, you know, fantastic. And this guy knows that like we can come in and crush it for him. I don't have to do any editing. It's amazing. Um, I'm all about it. Um, <laughs> so like trying to figure out, trying to figure out like, who are those people? How do we even, you know, find those connections? It's just totally not what you're trained to do as a photographer. Like 
you're, you're kind of like always like, Oh, we got to find these clients. But like, sometimes the clients are other photographers and I'm right, you know, and you've got to give up a little bit of your ego there to kind of even be willing to do that. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, my bills. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a lot of things happening at the same time. You get to, you're, you're, you know, on the one end, you're going to need to be working smarter, not harder. And the other end, you're yeah. going to need to be constantly nourishing the creative side of, of, of the equation so that you can keep pushing and keep building and keep getting better and being fresh. And like, you know, like, you know, there, there's, there's danger and, you know, not only like being in your head and sort of like worrying, worrying about what's happening next, but like also like just not doing it because then you get sloppy and you, you know, the muscle yeah. memory gets lost and Absolutely. you know, like there are these moving, we're not stuck in place. Everything's moving all the time. And, if you're not exercising these muscles, you know, creatively, actually in your body, like things get messed up and like suddenly you're like, I don't even know this didn't work right. So uh, all of it is uh, is important to keep in mind. Well, buddy, uh, I know you have a tight schedule and you're you guys are traveling tomorrow. Uh, so thanks for making time for us today. I love you guys. Yeah. It's always fun to talk to you about this kind of stuff. And I, I'm glad we got this down because I think that not only seeing the forest for the trees, but also taking, you know, note of other people's struggles and careers. And, you know, like this Agassiz thing, I thought was so left field when you brought it to me. And at the same time, like, I think really connected with a lot of the things that we all deal with all the time. Yeah. Thanks, man. Anytime. And I, I hope um, I might pick that back up and read it again because it has been a little bit. And I'm, I'm I want to have that same <laughs> as we round out the year again. Now that we got a little sidetracked early in the year, like we were like, oh, we're going to like hit it hard on January. We're going to do all this stuff. And yeah. We're market. And then it was like three months, three months of like, oh, God, how do I do this project? And then it all just got shelved. So <laughs> it's like now we got to. We got to pick it back up again and and uh, do lay the groundwork so we can hopefully have another uh, good start to the year. For sure, man. Well, listen. Uh, safe travels tomorrow, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, thanks, bud. Take it yeah. easy. That was great. That was the first one. That was such a good start to things. Thanks so much to Eric for stopping by the pod. You can see a lot more of their work, the photographic duo that is Eric Larson and Jennifer Sins at Jensen Larson on Instagram uh, at JensenLarson.com. It's J-E-N-S-E-N-L-A-R-S-O-N. You can connect with Eyeball online on Twitter and Instagram at EyeballPod. That's E-Y-E-B-A-L-L-P-O-D. And you can even see my work online at, at John Loomis on Instagram, Twitter, and all that other crap. Or at JohnLoomis.com, of course. And now I know what you need. You need a lot more of this Scott Pryor magic. Take it away, Reverend. This is my dad's podcast, and it's called Eyeball. <laughs> Goodbye, you crazy animals.